This is Hotshot Archery's Outdoor Podcast. The show starts in three, two, one, go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Back again with another episode of Hotshot Archery's Outdoor Podcast. I am Logan Chartrand, joined today by Robin Parks. Robin, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I hope everybody out there is doing well. Yeah, absolutely. That is uh, the question du jour recently is how how are you holding up? How are you doing? Um, so we might as well start the podcast with that. I know last week we talked about Jack's bird. We had some other things to talk about, but we didn't quite get to it. Uh, but before we dive into those, Matt, how you been doing with everything? Uh, well, um, I assume you mean with our uh, current coronavirus COVID-19 national crisis and uh I'm doing fine all my family members are fine um you know like we've talked about uh in the last several weeks with the podcast I haven't let it keep me from doing some traveling I've just made sure to be smart and isolated and safe in those travels and in my hunts and that's worked out well. And, um, so thankfully I've gotten out of the house a little bit to do some hunting and I know you have as well, but that's about the only reason besides grocery shopping that I've been out of the house. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, I can't lie. We've been, uh, trying to get out when we talked, uh, last weekend, we were up at the farm and we did some, uh, some historic site things. We checked out a couple little spots along the Salt River, and um, we're just kind of messing around where there weren't a whole lot of people today. We kind of checked out uh, one of the county parks and did a little drive-through and walked down to the Missouri River. So we're still getting out of the house. We're staying away from people. Um, there were quite a few people out. I can't say that I was surprised for the area that I, I live in, but we were able to stay plenty distant from anybody. Kind of had the woods to ourselves, so... It's been good. Just yeah. uh, kind of, we're ready for whatever the next steps are going to be. Yeah, and I and of course we say every week this podcast should be an escape from that, and we'll stick with that. But uh, I think you and I both agree that just um, personal responsibility and kind of defensive responsibility, meaning watch out for yourself, but also watch out for others that aren't thinking about it are the keys and if you could do that i don't think you need to feel like you're in jail um you know doomed forever to your to your own residence so it sounds like you've uh gotten out and got some fresh air and that's great and so i have as well so i mean i will say that my wife is still the one who goes to the girls i haven't stepped foot inside a grocery store i couldn't tell you what's different about it right now like if i if i don't have to go out i don't i've um spent so much time lately somebody asked me the other day like you've been doing a lot of hunting and i had to stop for a moment i'm like and this sounds really bad but really no, I haven't because we've been we've had a lot of success and I want to dive in and talk about some of that. I know we were holding back when we talked last time trying to save it for another episode, but since our last episode, you and I both have put some nice birds on the ground and I would love to hear more about your hunt over in Illinois. I know you've had uh not only that one hunt where you took the bird, but you've gone out at least um, one or two other times. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And then I know we've got some questions still to go through and uh, would love to share the story of my opening day bird in Missouri as well at some point. 
Yeah, right on. Yeah, the the day after you and I last talked for the last episode with Jack um, was my first chance to get over to Illinois. Um, the weather had held me back a couple of the days for my season. For the listeners that don't know, Illinois, their season is broken into several individual seasons in which you get drawn for. And so <clears throat> kind of a really... It's funny because you and I talked and we had talked about those early morning right off the roost hunts and I'll just blow it for everybody. You and I both had a right off the roost kill basically. (laughs) As (laughs) close as you can get almost. Yeah. I mean, mine wasn't really right off the roost, but it was in 35 minutes after fly down or something like that. And, um, I walked in in the dark already kind of knew where I wanted to be. Um, Billy Wheeler, one of my buddies that lives over there, did a drive-by of the farm I was going to hunt the evening before and saw four different strutters kind of heading for where I assumed they were roosting. And so I got in there before daylight and birds were gobbling while I was putting my blind up and without dragging it out too long, it was the typical lots of birds answering me. And I probably had eight or nine gobblers within 200 yards of me before daylight. Oh, wow. And most of them answered me, but they all flew down and every single one of them went away from me and none flew into the field corner that I was in or into that field at all. That's what I was going to ask if you were hunting inside the woods or you were hunting field edges or how you were set up. Definitely a field. This farm that I was hunting is really just some small wooded creek bottoms surrounded by a lot of open fields and so there really is no woods to be hunted. Um, and I just decided uh, as those birds were getting further and further away to do my best to remind them, hey, I'm still here by calling louder and louder and louder. And uh, there's a train not far from this farm, a set of train tracks. And the last time that I did that super loud, I'm over here call, one answered me immediately. And it kind of caught my attention. And then this train rolls in and it's super loud. Like you can't hear <laughs> no turkeys. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it lasted forever. Uh, my girlfriend, Sandy, was with me and she kind of nodded off and started taking a nap. And I just let her sleep. But as that train rolled through and started dying off, I heard one gobble and it was much closer. And so I, I kind of tapped her and woke her up and I said, hey, one just gobbled. And it's pretty close, but I'm not sure where. She looked out in front of the blind and she spotted a strutter in the edge of the uh, creek bottom, but it wasn't where I thought I heard that one answered. And so I called again and didn't get an answer. And the strutter that she saw about 150 yards out, it kind of took off running like something that spooked it. So now I'm just kind of really all flustered and I don't know what's going on. I figured a coyote came through or something weird, but. Lo and behold, I looked out the back corner of the blind, and here comes the, the bird that I heard gobble originally when I woke her up, and it was a textbook textbook strut all the way in, you know, from 150 yards. And when he got sight of the decoys, I mean, he kicked it in high gear and just rushed right in. And, you know, it's that perfect situation that, that you and I have talked about what really drives me for turkey and five yards away, beating my decoy up. And, uh, 
<clears throat> I've been, of course, like we've talked about, using headshots with Magnus Bullheads. And just as I released my arrow, he went to attack the decoy again. Total whiff shot. But he didn't flinch. He just kept attacking and attacking and attacking. So I grabbed oh. another arrow, which happened to be a fixed blade broadhead this time, another Magnus head. So I ended up uh, smoking this bird on the second shot, body shot. And it flew about 100 yards and died in the air and crashed to the ground. And it was just a pretty cool deal. So. 45 minutes after daylight in my first time over in Illinois, I was done tagged out for that season. It was pretty awesome and pretty awesome to have Sandy there with me too. That's just her second turkey hunt she's ever been on. And I've killed turkeys both times with her. So I guess she's, she's going to be spoiled, I guess. right? Yeah. She's going to think it happens like that all the time. I mean, to have that experience, I'm sitting here with a huge smile on my face, just as you're telling me about it. Cause I can picture it in my mind. I've never even been to this place and I can picture this bird strutting all the way in and just the excitement building. That is so cool. Um, you mentioned that you're tagged out. So here in Missouri, I think we've talked several times, you get two birds throughout the course of the season. You can only shoot one in the first week. And then, um, in the second week, it's only one or second and third weeks. It's one per day until you're done. Um, Illinois, it's like one in the week. How are the seasons split up to where you then go back for another, another opportunity to fill that final tag? Yeah, it's kind of a weird system and weird to me or weird to us, I guess not what we're used to, but they have five different seasons and they're not all exactly the same length or, but they're about a week each. And so they have these series of lotteries and you put in for what your first and second and third choices of counties and seasons are. And so you even have to get was, down to the county that ahead. you want to hunt in. Oh yeah. Not just per season, but also per county. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that particular quote-unquote season, I only had one tag for. And now my second tag has kicked in for the next season, which started last uh, Thursday, I think. And you said that she's thinking it's always going to work like that. Well, I gave her a first-hand lesson on it always isn't like that because I went over there Friday. Thursday was a washout, so... Friday went over same exact spot with just a little different positioning of the blind to see a little better and um, had some birds around us in the field this time, goblin, but a little preoccupied. It was really foggy. And uh, a little later in the morning, I finally got him to come in and just totally, it was just a like amateur hour inside the blind. Like I, <laughs> got a little impatient and the bird seen me draw and when i came to full draw i couldn't quite find the trigger on my release like my anchor point was screwed up because of my hood and long story short i got a, a good shot off at him but it was way over to the side as he was walking away and i hit the strap on the blind so total uh whiff on my second illinois hunt so i'm actually headed back over there in the morning to try again yeah, that's great. So she was with you on that second hunt? No, she wasn't with me, but she no. was living through my text. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you definitely need to bring her along from now on then. <laughs> I know. She's going with me tomorrow. Trust me. <laughs> okay, so I'll expect a picture by 7 o'clock that you're finished I over in Illinois. So, I hope so, but your, your hunt in Missouri sounded pretty good. I, I haven't even been in Missouri yet, believe it or not. The one day that it worked out for my schedule to go, um, 
actually got got sick the night before, not virus related, just kind of a stomach issue. So I didn't end up going. But uh, sounds like your scouting and all your preseason activities paid off, didn't it? Yeah, and I think um, earlier I had mentioned something about how, I forget who it was, asked me if I'd been hunting a lot, and I thought no, and it really, it boiled down to, I put in, I mean, honestly, and Jack was right there with me for almost every part of it, but we put in a lot of legwork prior to even youth season kicking off, not quite as much up at the farm, we feel like we've got that one pretty well figured out. Um, so it, that wasn't too tough. I was able to get in there and get the blind all brushed in and um, help with him being able to take his bird. But once we did that, I think we even talked about it. We don't have a ton of turkeys up at the farm. And my kind of thought was if he was successful during youth season, I didn't want to shoot a bird myself off of the farm. Might try to save it for him for the second portion. Um, that's going to kick off next Monday, I guess. Um, well, really, by the time this airs, it's this week is the second portion of Missouri season. So I can go back out and start hunting again. Um, as of this week, he also will be able to go back out. I think we might try to hit the farm one more time for him, but I really wanted to save the farm for him. Um, I've shot a lot of birds out there and we knew of a public place not too far west of the St. Louis area that um, I had really grown up turkey hunting with my dad. It's where I learned to really screw up a turkey hunt. Uh, it's where I learned how to successfully um, take a turkey in the field so much. So Jack and I, prior to the season, we went out and wasn't holding out high hope. I mean, the place was not top notch when I was hunting it, what, 13 years ago. So we went out really just to spend that good Friday and we listened for birds and we heard some and there were somewhere kind of in the area where I thought they probably would be that um, I was used to them being. So we got out of there. We set up a couple spots on one ridge that we knew about and it's about three quarters of a mile back from the main roads. So we had quite a hike getting in there Monday morning, but we took off. It was one of those, you know, uh, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, got up at three 30 in the morning. We were out the door by four o'clock and it was that mad rush. It almost reminded me as we were pulling onto the gravel road, it reminded me of when you have like a wade and shoot area for um, public waterfowl hunting areas and you might draw <laughs> a pool and there might be three other parties in that pool. So everybody's rushing to try to get the spot. And it, it was right back to that excitement. Like I was sitting on the bench seat of my dad's 84 F-150 as we were going out to this place, listening to old moldy country music in the morning and drinking coffee and eating mini donuts and just that rush of we got to get out there jack's like dad why are we leaving so early i'm like buddy if somebody's in our spot we don't have that spot we gotta try to get down to another place so we're gonna get in early we're gonna claim our spot so we were there super early got there in the dark and yeah, it was just like when i was a boy i think i actually started going out there when i was the age he is now so I had everything in the back of the truck ready. I was like, when we get there, we're going to jump out. I'm going to put on my other boots. We're both grabbing our turkey vest. I've got my shotgun and we're hitting it, buddy. We got to go quick. So we boogied out and got all the way back. And, and I can only imagine I was envisioning my hunt with my dad. I, I told him, I go, when we get to this saddle, 
my dad always told me that saddle is when it's hunting time. Now we got to be real quiet. The turkeys could be in the area. So as stealthy as could be. So it was immediately back to, I was my dad and Jack was me. I kept staring back behind me like, you've got to walk quieter, son. What is going on? (laughs) But we ended up getting back there. There was not a turkey on the ridge anywhere around us. Where we were hunting, it's probably about five or 600 yards. Um, I think I measured it on one of the online mapping tools the other day. So like five, 600 yards, something like that to where these turkeys always roost. Sure enough, we're sitting there listening to the whippoorwills. He had never heard a whippoorwill before. We've have very few of them up at the farm. So he was just, he was in awe sitting in this tree in this area. That's probably, you know, this one spot is where my dad and I always turkey hunted every opening day of turkey season. So he's sitting there and he's like, dad, this is so cool. And then the turkey started to gobble, started getting lighter and they were pretty far out there. And like you had mentioned, I was just trying to be pretty loud. It was early, but I knew I was like, nothing has gobbled right around us. So I was yelping pretty loud right at first light. I'm not trying to try to act like a hen in a tree or anything like that. We were many hundreds of yards away from these birds. And in typical fashion, I told Jack, here's what's likely going to happen. They're going to fly down out into that field. They'll strut around. Maybe around nine o'clock or so, we'll start to hear them again. See if we can't get one called up this ridge. Well, like you had mentioned, there were a couple groups. There were not eight turkeys around us, but I think there were two or three different what sounded like flocks of birds. And um, one was straight down the ridge from us on the private property that we don't have access to. And then there was another one on the private ground, but kind of off to our right, several hundred yards that sounded like it was mostly by itself. And throughout the morning, I was really shocked. If the birds went more than five minutes without gobbling, I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, it was just nonstop back and forth. Those two toms were talking to each other every time. The one down at the end of the ridge would gobble. The one that was just off the side of the ridge and across the field from us, he would gobble back and forth. And occasionally I'd hit it with a three and a half read split V uh, diaphragm call that I use. And I'd get one or the other to gobble at me. But I looked at Jack. I was like, this is the point where we might as well go ahead. You can close your eyes take a nap. It's probably going to be a while before anything happens. And then sure enough, this bird that was off to our right-hand side, kind of Jack's three o'clock, it started working its way across the field in the bottoms from us and just gobbling and gobbling. And I'd call a little bit, it would gobble and I'd shut up and it'd gobble again. Then I'd call to it and it'd gobble right away and kept getting closer and closer. And Jack, all of a sudden he's like, Dad, I, I think something happened that the turkey's gone. He, he's further away. And the next time he gobbled, for sure, you could tell he was heading down the field line away from me. Um, but when I next heard it, he was higher up on the ridge from us, coming up like we were sitting right on the top of this ridge, um, kind of facing down towards the point of it. And I knew immediately, I was like, buddy, we need to get ready. That bird's coming in. Once he got up into the woods that early in the morning, I mean, it wasn't even seven o'clock yet. I think it was probably 645 or so when we got it up into the woods. And just like I had seen happen 
three or four other times when sitting there with my dad, this bird starts to gobble way, way off. And, and then he starts to get a little closer and, and the gobbles get a little bit louder. And you can just every once in a while kind of see this bird. And he just strutted his way from probably... He was only about 200 yards from us down in the bottoms, but he probably went four or 500 yards to get to us. And he just, he strutted in and gobbled his way in all the way up onto the public property. And Jack and I had this tree that we both kind of identified. And I was like, Let, let's wait for him. He's going to walk in. I'm not calling anymore. We couldn't really see him because of the dip. All of a sudden his head pops up and Jack's like, there he is. And at the same time, I'm like, he's right there. Came in, came in, came in, and then he did one of those uh, heads straight up in the air, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. But every time I've ever seen a turkey stop and put its head straight up in the air, something really bad is about to go down, and I wasn't about to let this bird get away. Uh, So Jack was sitting there and all of a sudden shot, and we didn't hear anything. I saw one wing kind of flip up into the air before I lost sight as the gun recoiled across my face. And me and Jack look over at each other and he's like, did you miss it, dad? Like, I don't think so, dude. It's, it's gotta be dead. I didn't hear running. We didn't hear flapping in the leaves or anything. We got up. This bird was probably about 35 yards away from us when I decided to shoot it. And I mean, it just stone cold dropped right behind a rock and didn't flip flap flop nothing so as we were walking up i really wasn't sure i was like there's either going to be a turkey laying right here or this thing got out of here real quick because i didn't even hear it take off but sure enough you know 20 20 and a half pounds 11 inch beard inch and a quarter spurs it was awesome to be sitting in that spot where my dad introduced me to turkey hunting and to have something happen that quick i talked to my dad afterwards He's like, man, in the, I don't even know how many of the decades that he had been hunting in this spot. He's like, I don't think I've ever killed a bird before 930, maybe 10 o'clock out there. They just don't call up out of the woods. So I'm guessing we found the one lucky, lone, unlucky for him, but lonely Tom that just, I mean, it, it was crazy. I think I'm going to talk more about early morning right off the roost hunts because since you and I started bringing it up, it has happened more and more to me. So I said, I think instead of it being the jinx, I'm going to start talking more about it. Yeah, I I don't. I, I, uh, it, it's it's those kind of hunts that no matter how many times I say to myself, I really prefer nine o'clock on or i really prefer evenings in the states you can hunt it still just makes you want you just know you got to be out there just in case right yeah i i said i have to hear them even if it's i know they're not going and i really i had it in my mind and I, i wasn't holding out high hope for jack at the farm and i really wasn't holding out i mean this piece of public ground was the piece that almost made me want to stop turkey hunting because i was so frustrated with somebody sneaking in between us and shooting a bird that we had working or not hearing birds or never being able to have anything work and it was just so crazy so to be at that place to have something so out of the ordinary and then it was good too because it's nice to be able to get in jack and i were able to get in get out nobody saw where we were um, set up at or saw that we had a turkey so it was just it was a really cool experience and if you don't hear i mean for me 
I wanted to get out there and hear those birds gobbled. I really thought for sure we were going to have a three or four hour wait. That's what makes it worth it. Like you mentioned that to get out there, hearing those birds, knowing that they're there versus going out after they've already shut up for the morning. And you're like, are there turkeys in this area? Is it worth setting up? Should I move on and keep looking? So I, I'm really glad it, it made for a long day for both of us, but it was nice to uh, to have that 3.30 wake-up call and go do something super old school on public land like I, I grew up starting to hunt with. Yeah, when, when those hunts like that just happen, I won't say the way you plan them, but really literally the way you dream them to happen, there just is nothing better, and that's – that's the kind of hunt that is exactly why I always tell myself, like, I don't really think I'm going to kill one that early in the morning, but I got to be out there because there is a chance. And uh, I even told Sandy that morning she was with me. Once the birds started moving away, she kind of looked at me. She goes, they're getting further away. And I said, I know, I know. But I said, we've got turkeys literally on all sides. There was, there was a couple across the road from the farm we were hunting. and. I said, by 10 o'clock, something's going to be in this field. And if something comes in this field, we've got a great chance to kill it because I know I can call it over here. And once it sees the decoys, we should be good. And it just happened to be that one of those that it's kind of like the bird you talked about, like it got further away in order to come in. And I think that's what happened to us, really. I think that bird did its normal routine where it flew down with the rest of the flock and headed that certain direction, but it did that in order to come around and swing around behind us. And, uh, I mean, just like your hunt, I, I mean, I was shocked, you know, that, that I was already back to the truck and headed home and was going to be, you know, back home by 10 o'clock and 10 o'clock was the time period. I was really expecting <laughs> to have the best chance right. to kill one. Yeah, exactly. I got back to the truck. My coffee was still hot in my cup. I was like, this is pretty damn awesome. But that's also too where, especially in my case, knowing the topography, um, when I started hunting, that all we had were paper topographic maps. We didn't have, you know, Google Earth or um, Google Maps or anything that we could take a look at. So knowing the the lay of the land and knowing where that bird was, in my mind, I could picture the field that it was crossing from the scouting that we had done. And knowing that it had to go away from us to get up the ridge because we were hunting in really, really steep terrain. I mean, you drop off the side of the ridges and it's hard your side hilling to go down or to try to come back up. So as soon as I heard it up in the woods, that's why I told Jack, even though it still, it was probably, I'd love to say it took 10 minutes. It was probably closer to like three to five minutes once that bird got up in the woods before it made its way to us. Uh, But I just knew, I knew that it had to go that way to try to get where we were at. And if it was coming that way already, it was heading to us and do putting in that legwork ahead of time, doing all that scouting. Like we've talked about, it really, really pays off. Cause it, that would have been easy to get frustrated with and be like, Oh, well it's going away. I'll just shut up or let's go ahead and pack it in. But when you know that it makes it a little bit easier to, to sit for those mornings where you might have to, because again, they don't, I never plan for a 7.00 AM shot at a Turkey. It's always at 10, 11 o'clock kind of time frame. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, my second trip to Illinois, when I missed that bird, there was two other gobblers with him about 20 yards behind him. And 
even after I missed, they just kind of went on about their, their way, even gobbled several times at me. They spent the entire morning uh, in that same field because there were some hens in there and some jakes in there. And they were in in our site the entire morning until we had to think about getting out of there. Keith Reen was with me and he had to be back to St. Louis to be at work by two o'clock. So our plan was to quit hunting by 11. And I actually have a picture of them. All three of those gobblers were within 50 yards of my truck strutting at about 1030 that morning. So <laughs> I forgot uh, all about that picture. That's the, I have had it work out that way before. It's like, yeah. what the hell? But, but even after I missed that, even though it didn't work out to get them, um, to come all the way back in, it was still good morning because it was just information for me that those birds are wanting to use that field. And so I'll be back in there tomorrow morning. And if they fly down and go a different direction, like in the back of my head, I'm going to be perfectly content knowing that there will be turkeys in that field before quitting time. And so it's just fuel to, uh, you know, what you learn in a preseason scout mission or, even during a hunt, it's just fuel for determination and confidence. And so, you know, I'll sit there till the bell, the bell rings at one o'clock if need be tomorrow. Of course, I'll be calling and I'll be active. I won't just be sitting there, you know, waiting. But um, I have good feeling for about tomorrow because uh, I've hunted two mornings there and I've repositioned my blind. And I know for a fact that there's going to be at least six gobblers within 150 yards unless something has totally changed them in the last two days with the, you know, we've had some weird weather and of course other hunters could be in there or something weird, but there should be six, about six gobblers within 150 yards of where I'm starting tomorrow morning. So my fingers are crossed. Yeah. It makes that getting up easier. It makes that long drive easier. It makes sitting all day easier when you, when you know, they're in the area and you started to figure out where they want to be. Uh, there are a couple of questions. I don't want to keep you up too late because I know you're trying to get out on the road tomorrow. But one of the questions I think ties really nicely to what you mentioned with that first Illinois bird um, had a headshot, missed with the headshot. Um, we had a question come in and I'm trying to get it pulled back up as my computer just locked on me. Um, but the question was around body shots. Where are the different aiming points? And I know we're on a podcast, so if we can kind of maybe help people to envision what the bird might look like, or if you've got pictures somewhere, but how are you picking your um, aiming spots on a turkey, whether you're standing, full strut, the various situations that you might run into? Yeah, I can. I have an actual very simple answer for that that I've kind of developed over the years. And uh, the first thing I will throw out there to help people remember when they're body shooting turkeys with a bow is aim high, watch them die, aim low, watch them go. And to be more specific, this is exactly how I pick where to hit a turkey. And it doesn't matter which way they're facing. It doesn't matter if they're strut or not strut. If you take a vertical line and split their legs up and down and then aim at the beard height or just a little bit higher than the beard, if you will hit a turkey there, no matter which way he's facing, doesn't matter if he's strutting or not, you will kill that bird every single time. 
No questions asked. He's going to die. So leg or in between the legs, if it's facing where you can see in between that at beard height or just higher. Yep. That's it. I would think that's a uh, pretty good advice. You've had more than, than one bird drop this year, whether body shot or, or head shot and many birds over the years. So I think that's really good because sometimes we get wrapped up and it, it's not bad advice to say, oh, well, if it's strutting, you shoot it in the football or if it's walking and it's broadside, it's this way. But I think your way just simplifies it down so much. There's already a million things going through your mind when you're trying to make everything happen on that turkey. So to just know that it's kind of that leg area beard or higher that it's really great simple advice so awesome yeah and real concise and, too and, and the reason that i kind of came up with that was going back and looking at a lot of my footage of where i was hitting them the ones that went wrong even birds that maybe i recovered but they were tougher recoveries i used to always be like shoot for the hips that was the old you know uh advice that you saw a lot and that will definitely put a bird down but sometimes and a lot of times you have to finish them off you know that people say shoot them through the hips if they can't run they can't fly that's all true but if you just adjust a little bit so through the hips but just a little higher it just takes a lot of the guesswork out of it it makes it simple and uh, i think the biggest mistake without dragging this question out too far is for people to just shoot a turkey for center mass and and that is usually going to put it too low and that's why i kind of started my advice with the aim high watch them die aim low watch them go mentality if you can just get your mind off of putting that pin right in the center and use those two lines that beard height and the in the legs it's really going to help you well, usually that center mass is way too far forward. I know a lot of people that are shooting mechanicals are usually shooting you know, something close to two inches. So you've got some room. But when you think about a turkey's vitals and the way their chest cavity, when you come straight up those legs, I mean, it, it's right up above there. It's not way far forward, especially if they're strutting. You're going to be up in that breast meat. And that's where a lot of people, I think, see their birds run off when they're trying to body shoot them with a bow or hell, yeah, body shoot a, them with there's anything. There's a lot of room you can hit a turkey up in their chest that is just not a vital shot at all it's just like you said it's just breast meat and um you know unless that turkey dies from infection later i mean it's not through the vitals and it's not going to kill it yeah and then everybody's just bummed out because it's real hard i mean how many turkeys have you shot and i'm sure that i could feel the uh the heat and the language coming out of that blind the other day after getting that strap <laughs> on there. So it doesn't get any easier or better just because you, you've done it more. So paying attention to some great advice from a guy who is always about aim low. If he's telling you to aim high, it's probably some good advice to go ahead and listen to in that case. So uh, yeah. great yeah, my, question. My uh, nickname for, of aim low Robin does not apply to bow shooting <laughs> turkeys. Awesome. Well, I know we are um, getting late. It's Sunday night here. We're recording a couple days ahead of release, and you're planning to head out. Anything else that we we haven't covered? Any questions that came in to you that you want to make sure that we get to, or um, any parting shots if you might have them? Well, I think my parting shot is um, getting back to the pandemic that's going on, the crisis in our nation and the world, really. I just hope everybody is being smart, safe, 
and is still finding time to do what they enjoy. And whether that's hunting, whether it's hiking, fishing, I hope that uh, the rules that apply in your area aren't keeping you from being able to do that. And I hope that uh, everybody is ready to come out on the other side of this well and safe. Absolutely. I would agree. Um, I know you and I have both been able to get out and several of our friends just from our listeners as well. I know we'd love to hear from any of you who have been able to get out. We've had um, some pictures coming through on social media of some hotshot customer uh, successes with turkey season going on. If anybody's got a great story you want to share or a hot turkey tip, um, maybe you are bored of your quarantine and um, have some turkey information that you'd like to share certainly reach out and let us know podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com is one of the best ways social media also facebook instagram at hotshot archery or some version thereof search hotshot archery you'll find us um, as far as parting shots for me I, I think really probably what was on my mind is real similar to yours um, i've told lots of people everybody's handling um, this whole quarantine, stay-at-home order, self-isolation, whatever it is. Everybody's handling it differently. I'm very lucky that my main passions and hobbies are um, really inherent to social distancing. So get out, um, do what you need to do. It's okay however you're handling it, but I, I swear, I mean, if it weren't for hunting and um, mushroom time wasting, because I'm sure as hell not hunting or finding any of those when I'm out, but just being able to get out in the woods, um, enjoying nature, knowing that I'm not just going to breathe in and somehow catch this crazy coronavirus thing. It doesn't work that way from what I understand. So get out, get out, get out, make time for your mental health. Um, and again, if you're the kind of people like us, who just like to talk about being outdoors and that helps, let us know, share your stories with us, your best turkey hunting story, whether it was this year or not, I think it would be awesome to start hearing some of those from the listeners. I know it's uh, always great when I can live vicariously through anybody. I can never get too much turkey hunting in. I just, I love every single part of it. Yeah, I hear that. Even, even though, you know, I've had my share of successes um, and it, that miss did draw a lot of unsavory language. Uh, I can honestly say that the drive home, we were laughing about it and you saw I posted pictures making fun of myself for hitting the strap. And and that's just because, you know, you got to stop and think and just take it all in. And, and in that case, yeah, I've killed five turkeys this year. That should have been number six. But it was still just a blast. And it's still what fuels me this time of year. It's what I love to do. And so just like you said, I hope everybody is getting a chance to do whatever it is that fuels them. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, I'm hoping for some good stories or text messages tomorrow. I hope you are able to get out and have some success. I know we've got uh, one of our other Hotshot Pro staff members who uh, was able to take his first turkey with a bow recently, speaking of some of those stories. So we'll have that story coming up on an upcoming episode for everybody. Um, so send those stories to us. We love it. It never, ever, ever gets old. <laughs> you said 
said, Robin, even when you screw up, you're learning something. So makes it worth it. And we love hearing about all of that. So thank you all so much for your time. Appreciate the support. Make sure that you are giving us that five-star rating. Leave us some feedback, um, however you can do it, where you're listening to your podcast. We really appreciate that support, and let us know what you want to hear more of. So, again, uh, wow, if I could wrap this up correctly, podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com. Wow, I'm I'm just going to stop, Robin. You got it, buddy. Come on. (laughs) Podcast at... Hotshotmanufacturing.com. I had a little ball bouncing across the words in my head. Holy cow. So on that note, I think we probably ought to just go ahead and wrap it up. Good luck in the morning, Robin. Let me know. Um, And we'll be back with more episodes, more turkey talk, and just more outdoors in general in the next week. So thanks, everybody, and have a good one.